many in early service as we did second service that said they were already. How, how many of you hate those people that just raised their hand? <laughs> how many haven't even started? Huh? Yeah? Pat, I, somehow I knew. I just knew. Uh, we're, we're, we're like-minded. But uh, anyway, Christmas time is a time where we think a lot about gifts, right? Uh, the focus is on gifts, and this new series that we're calling the name for, uh, for our hope, it's about God's great gift to us. And this morning, we're going to, the name we're going to look at, and while we're, well, actually, this passage we're going to be looking at uh, every week uh, of this series out of Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, this prophecy of the Messiah was uh, told about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, so I want to pick it up. Uh, first, I, w- I want to start back at uh, chapter 7. It actually begins there in verse 14. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God uh, with us. Now chapter 9, uh, verse 6, For to us a child is born, To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God. He'll be called Everlasting Father, and he'll be called the Prince of Peace. Uh, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It will last forever, eternity. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, I'm sure this is a familiar passage of Scripture that if you've been around the church uh, much at all throughout your life, uh, or especially around the Christmas season, you've probably heard this passage of Scripture. But I think it's important to point out that this prophecy that was made here in the book of Isaiah wasn't made at Christmas time. It wasn't even made at a time of celebration or some sort of holiday. This prophecy that Isaiah is speaking was spoken at a time of great uncertainty and turmoil and threat that was taking place against the nation of Israel at this time. The year was 730 B.C. King Ahaz was uh, the king, and, and he was nervous and anxious about the fact that the Assyrian army uh, were gathering together and they were forming uh, outside, forming an army outside uh, of Jerusalem to come in and to attack Jerusalem. And, and so uh, uh, King Ahaz, he's trying to figure out how they're going to defend themselves, how they're going to prevent this or, or, or defend this, and, and what kind of alliances that they may need to make with other nations so that they could somehow combat uh, this Assyrian army. And so God sent the prophet Isaiah to tell King Ahaz, all right, don't worry about making these alliances. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to also send you a miraculous sign to prove that I'm going to protect you uh, if you will trust me uh, in this situation. And this is the sign that was prophesied uh, to him here in this passage that we just read out of Isaiah uh, 7 and 9. And this may be a little confusing. I know it is to me if you really think about it. Uh, because how could a prophecy about the birth of Messiah that wouldn't come for another 700 years 
you know, how, how would that be helpful to the problem that Ahaz is facing uh, right now? I mean, there's an army that is literally forming outside of Jerusalem uh, that's wanting to destroy them. And God gives him this prophecy about a Savior who would come and save them, but it didn't happen for another 700 years. And so some people would say as they read the Bible and, and they think about the practicality of these things that we read about sometimes in the Scripture, you know, that, that uh, this is a, a problem they have with the Bible, that the Bible is, you know, all this pie-in-the-sky stuff and, 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 you know, the Christmas story about this, you know, little baby Jesus that we make so precious in the Christmas story scenes and the plays and the manger and peace on earth and goodwill toward men is cute. But we see the story, we read the story, we hear the, pro- the story, and we go, but I've got problems right now. I- I've got issues going on right now. I've got trouble going on right now. I've got temptation going on right now in my life. I don't have a job. My marriage is, is falling apart. My kids are making terrible decisions, and they're on the wrong path. Maybe uh, for you it's experiencing pain or sickness and you just seem like it's never going to go away and it just uh, goes on and on. And while these Bible stories uh, about Jesus are all warm and fuzzy, sometimes they don't help us with what we're going through right now by just reading the stories. And, and, and so uh, this is how Ahaz, sometimes we probably feel like Ahaz felt. You know, there's an army out there that's planning to destroy us, that probably will destroy us. So what does the promise of a Messiah come in 700 years later? How does that help us? What has that got to do with anything? And and that's exactly the question that we're going to be addressing, we're going to be talking about uh, over these next few weeks uh, in this series. We're going to see where our hope in this life lies, and it is in the Messiah. And Isaiah gives us several different names here uh, that we see in, in the passage of Scripture we're looking at today. And the one that I want to focus on first today is that name, Wonderful Counselor. Because I, I believe sometimes it's too often that we just read uh, these names and, you know, oh, well, that, that's a nice name. And don't really fully understand what these names mean. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to talk about each one of these names and what it means to you. And I'm going to tell you today, wonderful counselor means a lot to us when we understand what it, that fully means. The Hebrew word that was used for wonderful uh, here actually means uh, beyond understanding. It's a word that someone would use when, when basically uh, they were trying to describe something that was too wonderful for words, right? They just couldn't come up, they couldn't articulate, they couldn't come up with the verbiage to be able to explain it, and so they would use this Hebrew word which we've interpreted in English as wonderful. Isaiah is saying here, don't miss this, that the Messiah would be beyond our words to describe him. Okay, and, and he is wonderful. He is glorious. He is magnificent. He is awesome. He is awesomer than all the words that we could ever put together to describe him as awesome. And so that's uh, wonderful. That's the word. That's where it comes from and what it means. Then the Hebrew word that's translated counselor here means one who advises or one who instructs or guides. But the key to this is from a position of authority. This is our Savior. This is Jesus Christ. Think back to uh, uh, King Solomon. 
King Solomon was referred to uh, in this Hebrew language uh, often as counselor. We did a series on King Solomon several months ago. King Solomon, very wise man, and he was referred to uh, by this same word, not wonderful counselor, but counselor uh, was used to describe him. Because think about it, people brought their problems to him, didn't they? People would come to him to seek advice. He had this unlimited, just awesome wisdom. And he often knew the solution to problems that people would bring them. And not only the, the, the wisdom to share the solution with you, but he had the power and the authority sometimes to implement the solution and to put the solution into place. This is huge for you and me when we understand who the wonderful counselor is. Right? The, the, the greatest of counselors that you can't even describe. We don't have the words to be able to describe it. That you can bring. Don't miss this. You can bring your worst problems to. Huh? That's who the wonderful counselor is to you. He is the one that you can bring your worst problems to. And he shows you the way out. And he also can provide for you a way out. And the writer of Hebrews uh, explains why it is that Jesus can be such a help to us in the midst of our problems and in the midst of our temptations and in the midst of our struggles. And when it seems like there's an army out there that's wanting to take us out, we can find here in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse six, uh, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize uh, with our weakness. Uh, we don't have a king that's just sitting on a throne somewhere that's, you know, kind of lording over us and, and, and you know, uh, above us or whatever like that. We, we don't have a king like that who's unable to empathize with the weaknesses that we have. But we have one. Don't miss this. We have a king. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way that you have been tempted. Right? He's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin, right? He was perfect. Let us then, all right, because of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence and with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when? In our time of need, to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I find myself in this situation about every day. A time of need. And so listen, he's not just a king that rules over us. He's a son. He is a brother that came and lived among us. Emmanuel, God is with us. He came to be among us. He came to be uh, with us. And he has walked through everything that you will ever walk through. That's what we're being told here by the scripture. He has faced in everything that you would have faced. There is nothing you experience that he has not also uh, experienced. And we see it from the very first day of his birth. I mean, in this Christmas story, we see it from the very beginning. When you walk through the Christmas story, one of the things that you see is that he was born into uh, the worst kind of poverty. Right? He was born into uh, among the poor and the oppressed. Right? Sometimes we think we're in a bind. We think our finances are bad. But I don't think that anybody's here, kids, were born in a stable uh, or in a barn. I don't know. A lot of people are building barns now and calling them a house. I don't even get it. But, but anyway, I, I, none of us were born in such great poverty that we were born in the horse stall. You know? Uh, and, and so that's how Jesus came. 
we see this cute little manger scene at, at Christmas uh, programs. But let me tell you something. That was far from cute. It was far from that. What mother wants their child to be born outside in the cold in a smelly animal stall? Right? We glorify it and, and make it something that it really wasn't. He was born in poo and everything else that animals do. Right? I mean, that's what he was born into. In, in this manger was in an animal stall. I promise you uh, that that animal stall didn't smell like Bed Bath & Beyond candles or wherever y'all get those stinking candles. That, uh, I, we've got a cabinet at our house that's just full of ca- candles. And you open it up and it's like, you know, you go in Kirkland's. and I tell them that I can walk in Kirkland's and be sick for three weeks after I walk in there. I promise you that manger scene did not smell like cinnamon and nutmeg. It didn't. Here's another thing that we see in the life of Jesus. When Jesus' parents brought him to the temple to be dedicated, his parents presented a pigeon as a sacrifice instead of a lamb. Why was that? Well, it was because there was a provision made for the poorest of poor that they could sacrifice a a, a pigeon if they could not afford a lamb. And at his birth, you know, Jesus uh, was laying down a pattern that he would, he would repeat all throughout his life, the 33 years that he spent here on this earth. Think about it. He was born in a manger, in an animal stall, and he died on a criminal's cross. None of that makes any sense for the Messiah. None of that makes any sense for the King of kings and Lord of lords. To be born in an animal stall, to be killed on a criminal's cross. He was rejected at his birth. We see it almost in every Christmas play that we see. The innkeeper comes and says, there's no room in the inn. He was rejected uh, as a child and at his death he was rejected again when the cry called out, give us Barabbas instead. And at his birth, think about it, he was wrapped in rags. In his death, he was stripped naked in shame. Folks, why did he do that? Because he was bearing the rejection and the poverty that you and I deserve. That's why he did that. He took upon himself what you and I uh, deserve so that when I come to him, when you come to him, like the writer says here in Hebrews, we can come before him with confidence, knowing that he's not going to judge us. Why? Because all of our judgment was placed on him. He's been there, he's done that, and he took it for us. And so we can approach him with boldness because of that. And so Isaiah says that he has borne our grief and he was wounded for whose transgressions? Our transgressions. When when I come to him, I I don't get the poverty that I deserve. When I come to him, I don't get the judgment that I deserve because it was poured out on him. And, And the other things that this verse in Hebrews promises me is that when I'm in pain... Or when I am tempted, Jesus listens sympathetically. All right? He, he listens with sympathy. Don't miss this because there is no suffering that he hasn't gone through. There's no pain that he hasn't experienced. There's no confusion that he hasn't, he hasn't faced. No temptation that he hasn't been tempted by. He's gone through it all. He's dealt with it all. He's experienced everything that you and I would ever experience. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are tempted. And some of you right now, if you were honest, you would say, right now I'm in a time of need. 
Right now, there's something that's going on that I can't hardly deal with on my own. Right now, it seems like there's an army that is gathering outside of the city and they're planning and they're plotting to destroy me or my marriage or my family or the church. And some of you right now, you can relate to where King Ahaz was in this situation here in Isaiah. The good news is this. There is one who is here to help. All right, there is one who came to help. There is hope because, don't miss this, he is the most wonderful counselor. And he is here and he is present and he is with you. What I love about the name uh, wonderful counselor is that it means this. I love this. Jesus came for people with problems. That's why he came. He came for people with problems. Think about this a minute. When you study the life of Jesus, when you study the ministry of Jesus, every miracle that Jesus performed started out as a problem or started out as a need, right? That, that someone had every single one. Jesus' uh, miracles that he performed just weren't mere m- magic tricks, Right? I mean, he didn't say, you know, for my next trick, everybody gather around because for my next trick, to prove that I'm the Messiah, I'm going to levitate. Right? I mean, he could have done that, but he didn't. Right? That's not how he proved himself. That's not uh, what he did. No, his miracles were always tied to a time of need, and they were always tied to someone's problem, whether it be hunger, whether it be poverty, sickness, or brokenness, or even death. And so the good news for you and I this morning is this, is that if you have a problem this weekend, you are a prime candidate for a miracle. <laughs> huh? If you got a problem, then you're a candidate for a miracle. If you don't have any problems, then you're probably not going to experience a miracle. And some of you at the end of service just need to come and pray that God would give you some problems so you would uh, be a candidate for a miracle. Right? And, and I'm just kidding because none of us have gone through life without problems or troubles. But seriously, don't, don't miss this. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, and he came for people with problems. He came for you and for me because we got problems. And we have issues. And we have temptations. And we have struggles. And he knew that, and that is why he came. The wonderful counselor came because he knew that we needed a wonderful counselor. Jesus said himself when he came, he said, I didn't come for the healthy. Who did he come for? Sick. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. It's the reason I came. I, I didn't come to reward the righteous, but I came to save the sinners. Huh. And let me close today with one final thought. Maybe the most important thing to notice about this name that Isaiah uses the word wonderful to describe, he uses it to describe Jesus. And I think it's important that we understand that and recognize that he used this wonderful that was something he couldn't even put to words to describe Jesus himself. It does not describe the solutions that Jesus gives us to our problems, right? What is most wonderful is not the way he fixes our problems, right? What is most wonderful is his presence with us in those problems, 
that is what is most wonderful, is that He is here, and He is with you. And that is what is wonderful uh, about the Counselor. Uh, Because sometimes the way that God helps us in our problems is simply by allowing us to see how wonderful He truly is while we're going through them and understanding uh, our problems. Uh, And just because He is with us doesn't mean that He always immediately takes away our problems. But it's often in those problems, what does he does? He reveals this wonderful promise to us that he's weaving all of these things together, right? Weaving all these things together for good in our lives in his own uh, wonderful way. And, and that his wonderful presence, think about it, will never leave us. His wonderful presence will never forsake us even on our worst days. Even on our worst days uh, of suffering or whatever it is that we go through. And don't miss this. His wonderful presence is more valuable to us than any solution to our problem. His presence is worth more to us than any solution to our problem. And I say that to say this. A lot of times people come to church because they've got a problem. That's what drives a lot of people to church. It's what drives a lot of people back to church. It's what drives a lot of people to church for the very first time is because they've got a problem and they think there might be some help there, right? And so that's, that's why a lot of people come to church and, and maybe you're here today wondering, you know, can God help me with my crazy family? You know, can, can God help me with, with my marriage that seems to just be getting worse and worse and worse? Can, can God help me financially, you know? Uh, end of the year is getting tight. Can God help me with my finances? Can God help me to find a job? Can God help me? Can God help me? Can God help me? Well, sure, God can help you. It's kind of like a a little bit like the kid uh, I heard someone share one time that asked the question, if a nuclear bomb goes off next to me, will I get hot? Well, yeah. You know, you'll get hot, but that's kind of missing the point, right? Uh, if a nuclear bomb goes off next to you, your personal temperature is going to be irrelevant at, at that point. So yes, God can help you with your problems. God could fix any problem. God could solve any problem. But He gives you something that is much greater than that. He, he gives us something sometimes that I believe we, we, we forget about and we lose sight of. We want the fix. We want the solution. And he says, here I am. I am the one that you need. The wonderful counselor being with you is more than enough for the problems that you face. It's, more, it's better for me to be with you than for you to have the answer. That's what faith is all about. He gives you Himself. And the greatest discovery of your life is in knowing Him and loving Him and experiencing that He loves you and He promises, He promises us that He will always be with us. The wonderful Counselor will always be with us. And and the writer of, of Isaiah here, Isaiah says, and that is too wonderful for words. That's more than we can comprehend. That's more than I can put into actual words. And I know that that doesn't erase anybody's problems that you may have walked in here with today. You've still got them. They're still there. But let me tell you something. Knowing the wonderful counselor is with you will change how you go through your problems. Will change how you walk through them. 
you know, I may not be wealthy, but in Christ I have a promise that I'll always be taken care of. That's His promise to us. And that uh, someday I have an eternal inheritance that goes beyond what any eye has seen or what any ear has heard, right? And, and so I know that, that that promise is true. And I may not experience immediate victory over temptation. I may not experience immediate victory over cancer. You know, but in Christ... I have the righteousness of Jesus and the promise that one day I will be as pure as He is. I will be as perfect as Jesus is because His Word tells us that He is shaping us, molding us, and making us into His image, which is perfect. Right? And so that's what He's doing in our lives. That's what He wants to do uh, in our lives. And in Christ, you know, as I walk through this life, as you walk through this life, you may be uh, like the Apostle Paul said and be hard-pressed on every side. But Paul said, I am not crushed. I may feel the pressure. The army may be gathering, but I am not crushed. I may be perplexed, but I'll not be in despair. I may be persecuted, but I have not been forsaken, for the wonderful counselor is with me and walks with me. He says, I may be struck down, but I will not be destroyed, because the wonderful counselor overcame death, hell, and the grave, and I will not be destroyed. Wow. That's the wonderful counselor. And I can live every day with the assurance that the wonderful counselor is my shepherd and I shall never be in want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Yes, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he's with me. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. My cup overflows. Surely and goodness, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This, friends, is the wonderful counselor. Do you know Him? And if you do know Him, can you just find a little rest and a little peace and a little hope, a whole lot of hope in the fact that the wonderful Counselor is walking with you. And this morning as we close, we want to close with a time of prayer, our altar prayer we've called family prayer. And I invite some of you to come this morning if you have a need, if you have a situation that you just want to come and, and pray about today, these altars are open to you. Maybe you just want to come and thank God today for this awesome reminder that He's the wonderful counselor in your life and in your family, and you can trust Him, and your hope is in Him. This morning, if you'd like to come, I, I invite you to come. We have many of our church that are going through difficult times. Be in prayer for uh, the McNair family. Uh, Bill passed away yesterday over at the nursing home. Or, or Friday, uh, so be in prayer for that family as they uh, go through these days ahead. But this morning, I invite you to come. Some like to come pray over this prayer chest. We have filled with names of people that we're just praying they'll come to know Christ as their Savior. But if you'd like to come this morning, I encourage you to do that. I want to ask Brother uh, Joe, if he would, to make his way out to the lobby. And while you're exiting and leaving this morning, Maybe you'd like to give a donation to the Gideons, or if you have any questions, I know he'd love to answer that 
for you. This morning, let's, let's all join our hearts together as we do what Scripture said we can do, and that's to approach the throne of grace with boldness. God, today we thank you so much for this wonderful reminder that our hope is in you. We talk about it a lot, we say it a lot, and I think maybe sometimes we say it so much and talk about it so much and use that phrase so much that we just kind of take it for granted and don't really give it a lot of consideration of what it means for you to be with us. But today, your prophet Isaiah reminded us who you are by the name of Wonderful Counselor. And we still can't fully comprehend or fully understand the magnitude and magnificence of that name. But God, I believe you've given us a little glimpse here today of what it means. And it's enough that we can have hope in that and have hope in you with whatever it is that we carry, whether it be a sickness, whether it be a time of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, whether it be a time of or situation of temptation we've struggled with and just not been able to seem to overcome. God, we thank you for this promise today of your help and your guidance in our lives from a position of authority. God, I know that Ahaz was facing a tremendous situation, an army that that uh, seemed like there was no hope. But you made us all a promise that there is hope and that our hope is in you and as long as we have you, we'll be okay. And you'll walk with us and you'll carry us to completion, which is when you call us home and you take us to be with you and then we will receive our rich reward because we truly have been a child of the King. And we'll receive what you've promised then. But God, in the meantime, as we walk through this life, as we face the challenges and the struggles, God, be the help that we need through your Holy Spirit that abides in us. Just pray that we would constantly be reminded that you are there, you are with us, and you are what we need. And we would look for you in every situation because you're going to bring glory to yourself. People are going to see you in and through what we're going through if we keep our eyes focused on you. So, God, we thank you for this powerful word today. I thank you for this church. I pray that you continue to lead us and guide us and give us wisdom in the days ahead, the best way to share this awesome gospel message with our community and those around us. I pray for these that have come to these altars today that are bringing something to you, God, that uh, they would just have a, a very real sense today that you're their help and you're their hope and you've got this because you're with us. I pray for these in this prayer chest that we've prayed over many, many, many times over the years that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior of their life. They would surrender their life to you and accept you. And God, we want to be available to be used to do that. Whatever we can do, find us faithful. Find us obedient in that. God, we just again today want to tell you before we go how much we love you and how much we appreciate what you've done for us and how much you've loved us and how you've shown us that through sending your son. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Don't forget to stop and see Brother Joe on your way out. Love you guys.
Have a wonderful week.